0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: The government looks like it's doing everything possible to discourage companies from selling to it, especially small businesses who lack the manpower or intestinal fortitude to slog through a growing number of rules. That's the view of longtime federal sales and marketing consultant Larry Allen, who joins me now. And when you stack them all up, Larry, some of the old and new rules really do look like kind of a mountain for new businesses to climb over.
0: Tom, they really are a new mountain and the mountain keeps getting higher. Whether we're talking about the reimposition of CMMC requirements for companies uh, selling cloud services to DOD, whether we're talking about where you get your telecommunications equipment from for any type of prime contractor. And on the books coming forward are going to be more rules on secure supply chain and new rules on environmental assessment for the products you're offering They somehow get a benefit from if you are offering a certain type of green certified product. So the rules and regulations are not going away. In fact, they're growing, and each one creates a higher barrier to market entry for any new business. And as you pointed out, that's really true for small businesses who don't have the time to understand all these things. They don't have the money to pay for the tests and certifications, uh, and they may just decide you know, selling to the federal government, is it worth the time and aggravation? I'm going to go somewhere else.
1: In many ways, you see this creating, and this is not a brand new phenomenon, but maybe it's accelerating, and that is small businesses are often started by serial small business starters who do know the rules sell a company, and find a partner in whose name the new company will be. But the new partner doesn't really know anything, but the existing partner just takes what they learned from earlier ventures and just carries it over to it. So it's an insider's game in some ways.
0: I think it really is an insider's game in a lot of ways. First of all, the insiders know the process. This is kind of the point of my article. With specialized processes and new processes coming into play, If you're experienced and you understand what these things mean, you've got an edge. But also, what makes you a good insider, Tom, is the relationships. Remember that this is a very risk-averse government market. And except for a small handful of a couple of really innovative acquisition areas, we're talking about a risk-averse government market where people like buying from the companies they know. They like the assurance that the companies they're buying from will be able to meet the new requirements and the existing requirements because you know, very few, if any, of the old requirements are going away, Tom. So it favors the people who know other people who know the lay of the land and who have the infrastructure necessary to do the compliance checks and put the processes in so that while they're trying to sell and make money, they're not putting their company or their investors at risk.
1: And there are some new rules coming as a result of the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, and those rules often are not only for Defense Department acquisitions. Sometimes the NDAA is a way of getting government-wide requirements into place.
0: Right. And, Tom, there are a slew of them. I'm going to keep them general this morning. But they really kind of prove what we've been talking about already, and that is there's a section of the defense bill, Section 807, that says... We want to really make sure that commercial item providers and commercial procurements are being used and used well. It's fast acquisition relative to other things, and it's the rapid adoption of commercial advances in technology. That's what Congress says they want in that section. And then if you go down to another section, Section 213, it talks about increasing the activities of the Defense Innovation Unit, one of DOD's premier entry points for people that are offering unique, innovative solutions that are not yet in current production, i.e. they're not commercial. So those two provisions, Tom, say we do want a streamlined government. We do want better technologies. We want new market entries. But then you look at other parts of the bill. You look at You know, right after Section 807, you have two sections, 808 and 809, that say, well, we really want you, federal agencies, to report back to us on the Buy American Act, DOD. We think that you're giving too many waivers to the Buy American Act. We also want to remind you, DOD, that you're responsible for buying in accordance with both the Berry Amendment and the Specialty Metals Statute. And that really just shows that there's an inherent conflict inside government acquisition DOD, this is just an example, Tom, of what happens in many other government agencies. They've got the one hand says, we want you. On the other hand says, we want you, but only if you can do business with us this way. So it's a little contradictory.
1: We're speaking with Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners, and now I imagine some of the Russian situation could even strengthen this requirement, especially foreign sourcing. Not that much is bought from Russia directly that comes into the United States, much less by the government to begin with, but there are certain commodities, certain elements that might be embedded in other products that have Russian origin, like I don't know, sunflower oil or something.
0: (laughs) Well, you don't really know, but we're going to find out, Tom, that's for sure. Supply chain resource management has already been an increasing area of focus in government acquisition, right down to where you get your components from and what the ease of access to those components is if you are selling products to the federal government. And while Russia is certainly going to be a concern, we have some On the books, prohibitions like the prohibition on buying solutions from Kapersky Labs, which is a Russian IT company. The NDAA itself, the defense bill also particularly calls out Chinese made or Chinese source items in multiple places. And most of them, though not all, are prohibitions on uh, using Chinese made components, except in those cases where there are no alternatives right now which is kind of an, uh, another irony and another topic. But overall, what Congress is telling the Department of Defense, and by extension many other federal agencies, is where you get your components from matters. You make sure your contractors know where their stuff comes from before they bring it to the loading dock, whether it's Russia, China, or another perceived bad state actor. We don't want that stuff coming in to our office buildings sitting on our networks, unless really there's no possible alternative. And by the way, we want you to develop alternatives as quickly as possible.
1: And if you're having a State Department reception overseas, be careful of where your vodka comes from.
0: it got to be domestically sourced, Tom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Larry Allen is president of Allen Federal Business Partners. As always, thanks so much.
0: Tom, thank you, and I wish your listeners happy selling.
1: We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to The Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Melissa Bradley, the founder and managing partner at 1863 Ventures, an investment company focused on bridging entrepreneurship
3: she was a staunch advocate around rights for renters um we were not in a financial position that we actually ever owned a home uh but she made sure that people who lived in various types of housing try to do a good job of kind of projecting what is the overall mission and vision? What are the KPIs and OKRs that we need to hit? And then I feel like I need to get out the way. I need not be a micromanager. I need to recognize, particularly since COVID, that people have kids, they have lives, they have ways that they know how they perform best. And so we now have people who work for me all over the world. And as long as we made our deliverables, I don't need to know that you're sitting in a cubicle or sitting at your computer from nine to five. Um, and that's because i I've been at those nine to five jobs where I literally had nothing to do, but I knew I was told I had to be in the office. Uh, And it just seemed like a complete waste of time. And so I'm really laser focused on outcomes and productivity and advancing the vision and mission and not on what does it look like? Because I think successful work looks different for everyone. And then I would say more externally, as we now have grown to lots of members and we have a social media presence and I Talk to people. I'm mindful that the, the probably the most important, from an external uh, perspective, on my leadership is that I am mindful that I am modeling, not just for myself, but particularly for other leaders, and particularly Black women, and certainly gay Black women. Uh, you know, there are not a lot of us. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'm a co founder of Eureka, so I'm fortunate enough to be in the first 30 or so Black women that have been supported through venture capital, which is a sad statistic, but for a different topic. And so I'm mindful that people are always watching me. And I would say that certainly as a Black woman, people are always watching you, not always for the better and cheering you on, but waiting for you to make a mistake and slip up. And so I'm mindful that when I step into a room or I show up somewhere, I'm not just representing Melissa Bradley and my immediate family, I'm representing all of my members and potentially sending a signal effect of what other people are going to expect as Black women. And the final thing I would say that definitely has evolved since now that I'm over 50 uh, is that I feel a much greater freedom to say what's on my mind. Um, than I did before, and i and I do that. I probably said what was on my mind before, but in a way that was reflective of my frustration and anger with the system and now I say it with the expect with the level of calmness and the expectation that it 's important that we are honest around.
2: as a company grows, WEPA is growing as well, and you are so spot on. We have, as, as leaders, we have to let go and trust those people that work for us and empower them to do their job and then let them roll, and that's not always easy.
3: Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate Plasma at a Griffal Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at Grifflesplasma.com.